Hi, and welcome to the Common Confident Chabad Mom Podcast. I am on a mission to take moms from stressed and overwhelmed to calm and confident. Join me on this journey, and you will be sure to learn many tips and tools along the way. Today I have something a little bit different for you. I was interviewed by Vera Kessler, the host of America's Top Robertson's podcast. So listen in as I talk about being a calm and confident mom. Enjoy. Welcome to America's Top Robertson's. Please click on the subscribe button to subscribe to us on the America's Top Robertson's YouTube page or click follow to follow us on your podcasting app so that you are the first to know when an inspiring new episode is posted. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Nahama Braha, Barhaya Lea, and Haya Brena, Barhana Rivka, and also for Rachel Devora, Bas Shoshana. I am very happy to have on today's show, Adina Landa. Adina is a certified life coach who specializes in helping moms. She does the amazing task of helping moms go from stressed and overwhelmed to calm and confident. She even has a podcast about exactly how to do just that. It's called the Confident Chabad Mom Podcast. And I have listened to many of episodes of Adina's podcast and all the strategies that she shares to help moms from feeling anxious and chaotic to feeling put together and in control or 100% on the mark. We are going to talk about some of those strategies today, but first, Adina, I want to ask you to please tell us more about yourself and what you do, because I know that you have an interesting story that led you to become a certified life coach. Can you please share your story with us? Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Um, so I live in Northern California, a city called Novato, about 45 minutes north of San Francisco, and I am Chabad Robinson here, Ashlaka, moved here almost 11 years ago to just build a Jewish community from the ground up. And a couple years in, actually, no, very soon in, um, less than a year in, I should say, I had my third child. And that was, for me, it was three under three. So I had a almost three-year-old, a two-year-old and a baby and then a a newborn. And it was actually the first time after that happened that I experienced um, postpartum depression was after my third child. And it was a really, really, really challenging time for me, even just because the first time I didn't even understand what was going on and what I was feeling and everything. And so that really like catapulted me into my own um, journey for my own self, my own kind of inner transformation, because the way I kind of look at depression or, or anything like that is that like, yes, it, it comes and there's chemicals and there's like figuring it out, but it also just felt a little bit like like kind of like the way I would think of like maybe like an ocean and then a big wave comes, like it looks beautiful, right? We love going to the beach on the ocean, but like a big wave comes and then like a bunch of garbage comes out with the wave or something of like what's underneath. Yeah. So I kind of feel like that's what happened. It kind of just revealed to me some of my own work that I really needed to do about that I hadn't even like realized was sort of under the surface of like maybe some lack of self-confidence and comparing myself and maybe an overall dissatisfaction with like being a mother, being a shlucha. Like I just kind of, all of that really came to the fore. And so I did a lot of, um, inner work that really helped me come to this really incredible place. And because I did that, I felt so strongly afterwards, like, wow, like the person I am now is just so different and seeing my old patterns and who I was and all of that, that, um, I ended up starting my journey of becoming a life coach and wanting to get tools. And then I ended up helping now that's what I also, what I do helping other moms with exactly these kinds of things with, um, anxious and overwhelm and stress or their strong bias or or their thoughts about motherhood, whatever it is, really whatever it is for them. That's a little bit about me and my story. 
That's beautiful. And it's beautiful. You know, we're going to talk about exactly that, about being a mom and parenting, because the truth is that being a mom is not easy. I mean, our kids have so many needs and they pull us in so many different directions. We are doing the best that we can to feed them, to make sure that they're clean, to help them with their homework and to take them to play dates along with the other many, many other things that we do for them. And also kids aren't always cooperative. It's not just, okay, let's get in the car and go. It's not always that easy. I mean, as moms, we manage temper tantrums, defiance, disobedience, and other issues that leave us totally, completely zonked and exhausted. And that's only by 3 p.m. We still have the rest of the night to go, you know? So my question to you is, what practical tools can we start using today so that we can stop feeling frazzled and completely overwhelmed by all the demands placed on us and instead feel a sense of calm, confidence and control. I love it. That's like a loaded question, right? Like in one sentence, how do we, how do you take us from frazzled and overwhelmed to all these places, right? Um, yeah. Because really it's a vita. It's it's a work. It's a challenge. It's not, not a challenge. It's work. It takes inner work. It's not something that, you know, I could say, oh, here's a practical tip or tool, even though um, I'll do my best. But I also just noticed that in the asking of a question, right, the way you phrase the question, you asked it a lot of things, like the tasks, right? The, the heavy work, the, you know, we have to keep our kids clean and the homework and the play dates and the managing behavior. And really the first thing, like, as soon as we go into that as parenting, automatically, like, even as you're talking, I'm like, oh, this feels overwhelming. I'm yes. it's not even 3 p.m. by me, right? Just hearing that. And I really think that it's so important because we do kind of just get so, um, you know, in the day-to-day of our life and in the, the, you know, the routines and the schedules to just also just take a step back and really work on keeping in mind the bigger picture. The really the bigger picture of what we're doing that being a mother really truly is the most important job we as women can do in the world in the world beyond all the amazing other beautiful stuff that we do the most important of it that we could do is and like connecting back to that connecting it back to being like the first mitzvah in the Tyra, the fact that hashem loves children god loves children and like I'm doing that. I, me, only woman can do this. Like I can bring a child into the world and raise them. Like really getting back to that bigger picture and connecting back to like the incredible opportunity and, and, and special work that we have, you know, like in the world, maybe people um, really put a lot of emphasis on your career. And so if, if somebody is going through, let's say, you know, residency to learn to become a doctor and they're putting in tons of hours and they're staying up late at night and they're, they're taking tons of tests, right? And their whole family's like, yeah, but they're becoming a doctor. So we have to support them and we want to make it possible for them and we want to make it easy for them. And we're going to take over everything else that they're responsible for because they're studying and right. Like, and I'm like, well, that's what we're doing. We're putting in our residency. We're putting in our hours. We're, we're become, like, we're raising generations. We're raising future generations. So I think just first ste- stepping into the larger context of what we're doing can already just help us like connect to the, the, the core of, of the why right? Which already helps a little bit with the frazzle and the overwhelm. Not, not in the moment when we're dealing with a thing, but I do think we need to take time to look at the bigger picture of what we're doing. My most recent, you mentioned my podcast, my most recent episode um, is actually titled two words that take, and I know you're going to, um, we're going to talk about self-care a little bit together, but two words that take self-care. Um, I forgot exactly what I called it. Two words that make self-care holy. Okay. Okay. Two words that take, and, and what I spoke about there is the idea of like, so that those are the two words. So that why am I doing all these things for my kids? Why am I, you know, like, what's, what's my so that? Like, there's, there's a bigger picture here. And I really think that that's just important. Very, very important. But I know that that's not what you asked for. You asked for the practical tools, the overall, you know. So there's, there's when somebody is, if they're living a life of frazzled and overwhelmed, like if they would say, those are my main emotions, then I definitely think that you have to take a look at that. 
right? Like I say that stress and resentment, I call them signal emotions. It's a signal that something has to change. You Like, I don't think a person should be living with consistent um, stress or resentment. It's a signal that something should change. Now, whether that's a practical change, like getting more help or outsourcing or taking things off their plate or starting to learn how to say no, or it could be a mindset change. It could be, it could be that nothing has to actually change, but the way we look at how we're doing things has to change. But that's if someone, the overall, right? The overall picture is I really don't think that that I think anyone who is listening to this and feels like, oh yeah, my, my number one emotion that I'm constantly feeling is stress. I would definitely say like, you do not have to live with stress and hundred percent to like, take a look at that and, and, you know, get some help or some guidance or something like that. Yes. But then there's maybe someone who, and that's all of us, right. Who from time to time, we have the frazzle and the stress and the overwhelm and that kind of thing. And that's when, and I know this, we'll talk more about this, but are you filling your own cup are, or are you running on empty? Most likely like, especially the way you kind of said the question, all these things, and it's only 3 p.m. I'm like, are you running on empty? Yes. And that's when we get frazzled and overwhelmed. So, you know, like I'll take a nap in the middle of the day. I'm not frazzled and overwhelmed by 3 p.m. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll get kind of tired and something, and then I'll take a nap so that, here's the, the two words, right? So that I can be really calm and present for my kids when they come home, right? Or I'll do something that that I know really nourishes me, really fills me up so that I'm not a car running on empty, I'm a car running on, on a full tank, again, so that I can be really like such a present there mother for my children. And the truth is that that's actually like my life coaching is part of my so that, right? It's like, I do that because it really, you know, I, I love the connecting with other moms, I love the intellectual stimulation, and it really helps me be a better mother. That's like part of my so that. I know because that that fulfills you. That fills your bucket, so you can therefore be be a better better mother. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I love that, and I really do love that concept because you're right, and especially the running on empty concept. Oh my gosh! You know, sometimes like you know, by three p.m. we forgot to eat. We didn't even. We're still in our pajamas. We're running around. The laundry's still half done. The dishes are still in the sink. And what do we do all day? And we we've, we've been doing. We've been doing. It's just that we we don't stop. And I think that you were right to point that we don't stop. We don't we don't take stock of. What do we need? What do we need to function as human beings? And we yeah. we don't we don't think of that. So that we're just doing we're just doing blindly, as I like I like to say, we're uh-huh. doing it. We're getting it done, but it's blind, and we're not thinking. We're not we're not doing things per- purposefully. We're just doing them to get them done. And I really like what you said about taking a step back and thinking. You know, being a mom is such a, an important job. Like, you're right. Nobody else can do it. We can't substitute ourselves. Like. And in order for us to do the best job possible, we have to, number one, have to have the right mindset. We have to know why we're doing this, why we're raising children, why we had a family in the first place. And we also have to make sure that we are whole enough, that we fill up, fill up our bucket enough, that we take care of ourselves enough so that we can do this very, very important job that we want to do. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, we just keep running and then we, you know, maybe get on empty. I'm like, just think about it. like when we drive a car. For, for the most of us, when you see your gas light come up, you know, some of us, we all have different ranges of when we're going to like go fill up. And some people, it's like they, they see it already getting to empty. Sometimes people wait till the gas light goes on. Sometimes people even know, okay, I could drive some more past the gas light. But most of us are not going to intentionally just keep driving until our car breaks down. And then we got to get hauled to the, you know, to the gas station and fill up over there. And I'm like, but as moms, we think like, why, why are we, di- not why are we different? Of course, we're different than a car, but like, at what point do we want to stop and say, oh, time to fill up, time to do some fill up, right? Like, I'm not going to wait until I'm, until it's like, you know, 
damage control until I'm at a place where I'm so low and so depleted. And so that then comes all those other behaviors, right? Where we like lose it at our kids and we don't show up the way we want to. It's like, cause we went, we, we drove past empty, but we wouldn't do that with our cars because we know that it becomes so much harder. It becomes so much more difficult. Now we have to call AAA. <laughs> I'm like, so I, I really think that like us being kind of like in tune with our own gas gauge, right? Like, where am I? in my, in my tank. And like, do I want to fill some up first before I just go, 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 go. Yes. It's, it's a very good point. I really like the gas analogy with, with the gas tank and the gas light. It's so true. Um, so I, I actually want to address an area of parenting that I don't feel is spoken about too often. So what do we do as moms when one of our children really, really triggers us and we're feeling very strong emotions in our body? I mean, I'm talking about feeling such strong rage toward a child for any reason. I mean, really, really strong rage. I mean, of course, we don't want to hurt them. I'm not talking about that. But sometimes just in the moment, our feelings are so strong that many of us don't, we just don't know what to do with those feelings. I'm talking about in the moment when it's actually happening. And that's when it actually counts. Like, what do we, what should we do? I mean, there are times when we work really hard to try to calm ourselves down before the actual moment of rage so that we don't actually go to that place in the first place. But honestly, even if we take deep breaths and try to relax, we're not always successful in doing that. And then a child triggers us and then we automatically go into that feeling of rage. So what can we do in that moment of rage to prevent that situation for, from escalating even further? It's a great question. And I, I just also want to say that there is something, because you said it's something that's very little talked about, and I don't think it's what you're referring to here, but it's also very little talked about that there actually is something called postpartum rage. Like it might be known more like there's postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety. There is postpartum rage. And for I've that, never even heard of that. Wow, yeah, never. Yeah, yeah, it's a real thing. You could look it up. And so if, if there's anyone here who's listening and they're like, you know, I was always, maybe they had a little more temperamental or they were prone to more anger or something like that. But if you're experiencing something like we're like, wait, all of a sudden it's like rage and you feel like very rage filled more often and it's maybe something new to you or something you've never experienced, like it's there's actually a condition and I definitely recommend, you know, getting, seeking help for that or professional guide or whatever it is, guidance for that because it's a real thing. Um, just because even the word rage you use, like when you use the word rage, like I can identify with anger and extreme emotion in my body, but rage has a flavor of something even more there, okay? And so I just want people to know that, you know, if, if they are experiencing that flavor of something even more like that rage, that it might be beyond what, a, you know, a, a podcast can offer them or help them. And I also like how you mentioned, you said, we know that we spoke about doing things before the moment and I can't, I can't overemphasize that enough, you know, how we spoke about filling your own cup because the more we do do those things, the more we can um, prevent or minimize the in the moment scenarios, right? So if I'm pushing myself again, past empty and do, do, doing all day, and it's only 3 p.m. and then my kids are coming home at whatever time, you know, there, it's way more likely I'm going to have a difficult evening, right? Versus if I took my nap, I'm very into naps these days, if I took my nap and then I'm like calm and ready for them, I'm minimizing the, even that same scenario that would have pushed me into like anger and losing it, you know, the same scenario could happen, but I'm well rested and so I'm able to handle it differently. So I, I don't want to we cannot overemphasize enough the idea of taking care of ourselves before the moment. But again, your question was in the moment. In the moment, you're experiencing rage. For sure, the best thing that you can do is walk away. Walk away. I walk love away. it. Just walk away. Uh-huh. I mean, like, I would imagine that that's kind of what we tell our kids also. Like, you're so, right? Like, a kid is so angry that they want to, like, hit their sibling. They want to throw something, right? And we're like, walk away. Punch your pillow. Go to, like, do something where you're, there's no net negative consequence, right? There's no, there's no negative effect on somebody else walk away hit your pillow like something like that 
that's what we need to do for ourselves also to go calm our own nervous system, right? Essentially, our nervous system is very activated in that moment. And if it, again, you're in the moment, you're in the moment and you don't have access to, 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 to it, right? Because if you're in the middle of very heavy emotions in your body or very activated emotions in your body, you're, you're not probably having access to like, okay, deep breaths, okay, right? So you walk away to go calm your nervous system because whatever you do from rage is gonna be much less how you wanna show up as a mother than if you walk away and do nothing. Right, right. But what's actually more important than that is, okay, so that that's what I would say you should do in the moment. Now, let's just say, though, somebody doesn't do that. Someone's like, I did feel anger and I yelled or and I took it out of my kids or and, right? Like that yeah. happened in the yeah. moment. It happened. What matters the most now is the moment after. The moment after, okay. Okay, so we have before, we have during, and we have after, right? If we're going to like divide up our how we're, you know, showing up. The moment after really matters because let's say after that moment and you did lose it or you did feel rage and did do something that you don't, you know, don't appreciate in yourself that you did. Are you now going to like beat yourself up, be mean to yourself, telling yourself you did it wrong? Like all those ways of how we treat ourselves after creates actually more of that versus did I have compassion for myself? Did I understand like that was really hard for me? And when you have compassion for yourself, then you can also open yourself up to like problem solving from like a place of neutrality, right? Like, oh, what happened there? What happened there that I was in a place filled with rage? What did, did I run past empty? Did I get to a place of depleted? And that I was trying to mother from a place of being depleted, right? right? And then you can be like, oh, from, from a very neutral place, you can problem solve and see like, what would I do differently next time? Like, oh, I, you know, I needed to have some downtime today or I really need help at bedtime. It's really too much for me to do all the kids by myself. I need to ask, you know, I need to hire a high school girl. I need to ask my husband to come home, right? Like, but we don't have access to that kind of like higher level thinking, problem solving thinking when we are busy being mean to ourselves and beating ourselves up and telling ourselves we did it wrong. I think that you have a really good point because you're right. Because, you know, it, it's so interesting because yes, if we do lose it in the moment, if we yell at our kid, if we, God forbid, do something worse to our kid because we lost in the moment, like that moment is gone, that it's finished. Now we're in the moment after. Now we're, in, you know, in the aftermath. If we take bad and make it worse, then the next time the scenario comes, it's going to be even worse than it was this time because we didn't show ourselves compassion and we beat ourselves up and we were mean to ourselves and we did a lot of negative self-talk and we didn't, we weren't forgiving of ourselves, you know, and you're right. When you're compassionate on yourself, you know, and you don't beat yourself up and you talk to yourself as you would talk to a friend, you know, if your friend came to you and, and you know, in the same scenario, what would you say to them? Would you yell at them? Would you call them an idiot and you're an awful person? No, you never do that. You would speak nicely to them and you would try to problem solve. Like you said, you would try to problem solve with your friend, like to see where, where things went wrong, you know, did, did um, my cup run on empty? You know, did, you know, did I not get enough sleep? Did I not eat? Because a lot of us forget to eat. Yeah. We literally forget to eat, you know? Yeah. And then we get, we get hangry, like hungry, angry, you know? And, you know, was that the problem? Was it something else? Are we having a conflict maybe with a different relationship in our life? And that was taking away our headspace. And this kid was, did something and triggered us. And it wasn't even such a big deal, but we reacted, we overreacted, you know? When we're in a moment of calm, which is what happens when we're compassionate to to ourselves, when we're in that moment of calm and compassion, then we're in a better frame of mind to reflect back and see where we went wrong and hopefully make amends to, to fix in the future. Yeah, 100%. <clears throat> That's amazing. It's a great strategy. So I know that you work with moms to help them rewire the way they view certain things. 
whether it's the way they view a particular child or a situation that they find themselves in. I mean, we all have mental pathways and thought patterns that can either elevate us or destroy us. So I wanted to see if you can please talk to us about what it means to rewire your thinking process and develop positive mental highways and give us some strategies for how we can do that in our own lives. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, exactly like you said, right? When we have, um, we have a thought, it's like, I'm not gonna, I can use scientific jargon, but I'm actually not a very scientific person. So, right, so just on, on a basic level, right? We have like 50 to 80,000 thoughts a day. Um, and wow. the ones that we're conscious of, like imagine somebody th thinks to themselves, like I'm a terrible mom. If you're aware of that thought, you probably have that thought, I don't know, I'm making up a number, but let's say like 300 times a day, right? And sometimes yeah. you're aware of it, sometimes you're not, but it's, it's clearly like one of the sentences that are sort of like running in the background of your life. The ones that we're like really aware of, right? And what that basically looks like is like that thought, it just has like a really well-grooved neural pathway. It's like, your, your brain's like, oh yeah, we know that thought. We, we've practiced that thought. You know, it's like if you get in the car and you, you're driving and you you always go the same route, you know, you're taking your kids to school or something. So you're like, you know it so well that you don't really have to focus. You don't really have to pay attention to your GPS. You just like are practiced at that direction. So it's the same thing with thoughts. Our brain is like practiced on certain thoughts. It's just a really well-grooved path. Yeah. And imagine you just want to create a new road, right? It's just, it's not that it's not possible. You just have to, it just takes more intention, right? More practice, more intention to be like, oh, we're, we're, we're not going down that road anymore. We're going down a different road, right? So that's kind of like what it is with our thoughts. I, I say also like, you know, imagine talking about this path, you know, road analogy. If we were driving on the highway together and I said, count all the red cars, you would be able to, and then I said, okay, how many red cars did you count on our ride? You would be able to point them all out for me. Or you'd say like, here's how many. And then I was like, yeah, but how many yellow cars were there? You would have no idea because you weren't paying attention to them, right? right. So mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Our brain gets like practiced on certain thoughts and then we're not paying attention to, to something that's maybe not in our practiced thought, right? So for example, let's just say there's a mom that's like, I'm always anxious around my kids, okay? So that's her practice thought. Then now that she thinks that, she's going to always find evidence to prove that. See, I'm anxious here and I'm anxious here and I'm anxious here. Look at all the ways. And she won't even notice when she isn't anxious around her kids. True. Because it's not in her awareness, right? So it's like, now we're like, okay, but now let's start paying attention to the yellow cars. Now let's paying attention to the times that you are calm, right? It opens up a whole new neural pathway for her. She's like, wow, now I'm going to start focusing on and being intentional about a whole different way of thinking. Right. Yes, you're right. Because, you know, it, it takes a lot of work. Like as I'm thinking about this with a with a red car, yellow car analogy, you're right. Because if you're thinking that one same thought over and over again, whatever that thought is, you're creating that that groove, that pathway that, you know, sometimes I, I take my kids to school and I don't even know how I got there. I, I know I left my house. I have no idea how I got to the school, but yet I took my kids there in my car. And it's almost on autopilot, you know, when we when we think those certain thoughts over and over again, you're right. We don't notice all of them because we're on autopilot. But in order to create a new mental highway, we have to consciously think about like, let's, let's make an example. Um, I am an awesome mom and I have awesome kids. Let's say that's the new thought that you want to put in and you all your life, you've been thinking, about, Oh, I'm an, I'm a horrible mom. I, you know, I have hor horrible kids and not well behaved, whatever it is that you're thinking now to put into place that new, that new mindset. I'm an awesome mom. and I have awesome kids that requires a lot of consciousness and a lot of conscious work. And that's, in one day, you're not going to do it. It's over time, over weeks and months. Like you can't give up on it. You really have to put that time in. And then after a while, that will be the groove instead of the 
old negativity. Right. Which is essentially a huge piece of what life coaching is, right? We take our autopilot and we become intentional. Yes. We put it into one sentence. Right? We're going to stop operating on autopilot and we're going to become intentional. But I do want to just point out because you, the, the thought, the example you gave, right, was going from I'm an awful mom to like, I'm a wonderful mom. And I always like to say that sometimes we can't really go like it kind of like you said, it takes work. It actually, it does take work. I think it's the best kind of work. I think it's like real advice, like work worth doing yeah. um, to do this work. It's not like, oh, it takes work. You know what? It's not comfortable to walk around in the world and think you're a terrible mom. Right. Oh, That's sure. Right. So I, I, I would choose doing like this kind of a vida over, you know, what happens when we just operate on default. But anyways, the point I wanted to just say is like, you kind of went from like, I'm an awful mom to I'm a, I'm a wonderful mom. And usually our brains can't make such a big jump because if someone truly believes they're an awful mom, if they tell themselves, no, I'm a wonderful mom. And they're trying to just like work on that mental pathway, their brain is just going to argue with it. Like, no, you're not. You're a terrible mom. No, you're not. You're a terrible mom. Right. Like, and then you're just like, you're just kind of like back to fighting with your own self. So I like to kind of like sometimes take it in steps or, or just like, what is a thought that you can currently believe that feels a little bit better than that other thought you have? So let's say your example, I really used to think I'm not a good enough mother. Like that was one of my neural pathways very okay. much. Like when I said I did some of the self-work, like that was one of them. I'm like, I'm not a good enough mother. I'm not a good enough mother. I found all the evidence for it. I was comparing myself to other people, all of it. Right. I wasn't able to go to like, I'm a great mom, even though now I have access to that thought. But I was able to go to like, I am a mother who's working on her mothering. I am a mother who's co constantly, who's con like, I knew I'm always working on my mothering. So I went from like, I'm not a good enough mother to I'm a mother who is constantly working on her mothering. And I would just keep bringing my brain back to that every time it wanted to like be mean to me and beat me up. I would just go to like, no, I'm working on my mothering. I'm working on my mothering. And that felt better to me. Right. But I'm such a great mom was like at that point in my life would have been like, no, I'm not. I'm telling you, I'll show you. I can prove it to you. Right. I'm finding all the, <laughs> all the red cars for how I'm not a good enough mom. So it's, it's, just, I just want to be clear that it's not necessarily like this, like toxic positivity or like just replace your thoughts, just come up with other new happy thoughts. Right. It, it is, like you said, it's real work to create new mental highways. And sometimes it's a small deviation and then another, you know, taking a different route and different route, a different route until we're actually on a completely new highway. I really love that that you said that. And thank you. I want to thank you for saying that because it's true. It's true. You're right. Sometimes it is how you can't go from, from hot to cold. You know what right. I mean? You have to, you know, it, you have to get to warm first, basically, just to, to take in little steps. So basically what you're saying is to take, to take that negative thought and instead of turning it around to be 100% positive, 100 positive and exactly the exact opposite, just make it a little bit better than what you have now. Yeah. And I really like what you said that, you know, I'm working, I'm working on being a better mom or I'm working on uh, keeping a neater house or I'm working on losing weight or I'm working on whatever it is, you know, just to show yourself, you really, that's all you're doing. You're really showing yourself. It's not about anybody else. It's that you're showing yourself that, yeah, you have an issue, but you're not staying stuck in it. You're working on it and you're making attempts to, to, to improve yourself and to get better at it. I, I, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, so, okay, now we're going to talk about self-care. So, um, I mean, the role of self-care, the role that self-care plays for a mother in terms of how it will help her fill her cup so that she can give to others is so important, like as we talked about earlier. So I want to see if you could please talk to us about what self-care really is and why it is so important and what it looks like. I mean, realistically, for a mother of multiple children who need her all the time, you know, how what does self-care look like for her? Okay. Yeah. And we did touch a little bit upon this, but I'm, I'm 
glad that we're going to flesh that out a little bit more. And kind of like I said, my most recent podcast episode, it was called Two Words That Make Self-Care Holy. Because I know that some people have a little bit of an aversion to the word self-care. Um, I speak about it there of, of why. And, and maybe it's because, you know, it, it puts the word self first. And so people equate self-care with selfish. I don't really get so caught up in the semantics of it. Because like I said, the way I look at it, I mean, you could just use different wording, taking care of yourself. Self-care equals taking care of yourself. Yes. And then maybe it doesn't have that same selfish connotation that some people associate with it. But either way, that's why I'm like, it's so that there's a bigger context here. We're not, we're not taking care of ourselves because I'm the be all and end all of existence. We're taking care of ourselves because like I'm a creation of Hashem who wants me to be operating in this world, taking care of my children, right? Like we have a bigger context to why we matter. <laughs> right, right. Yes. And so I think that's like really important also, again, to keep in mind, like number one, if you're caught up on the term self-care, just call it taking care of yourself. I'm pretty sure we all agree we have to take care of our children. We all agree we want to take care of whoever, whoever it is we're taking care of. So we're, we're part of that equation, right? I'm going to take care of myself as well. And that goes again back into like the idea of like filling your gas tank, filling up your cup. I love the analogy of, um, it came to mind one time for me, you know, like those Kiddush cups where there's like a big Kiddush cup and then all the little ones around it, where if you pour into the big one, it automatically goes into the little one. Yes. So I like to think of like, we're the big Kiddush cup and we, you pour into that and it's just automatically going to flow to everyone around us. I so love I think that. like the more I fill myself up, the more that spills over onto my children and, and to everyone, everyone around me, everyone in my sphere of influence. And I see that 1000%, right? When I'm operating and in, in, in from such a good place and I'm filled up, the gosh me is amber me, it's my physical body and filling my, up my neshama and, and feeling, you know, inspired, all of it. However I am, like that just spills out onto everyone around me. So that's that would answer like why I think it is so, so important. Yeah. Um, what that looks like realistically, it's going to look really different for every single person. Now, I mean, I do personally think that the very bottom line basics of self-care is like, like is eating, drinking, exercise, and sleep. Right. Letting our bodies need to move. Our bodies need food for fuel. We have to have water. We have to get sleep. Right. Those are like basics, but that's like really basic. Then there's I, something I like to do with my clients. I call um is a wellness menu and, and there's like a daily wellness menu. What are the daily things I need to do to like fill up my gas tank? So maybe that's eating or drinking or getting a certain amount of sleep or, and then again, also even on a merchandise level, is, is it learning a certain amount? Is it connecting with or connecting with your husband, learning with your husband? Like, for every person, it's different. What are the daily things you need? And then an overall wellness menu, which could be like, maybe you don't need to do this daily, but sometimes when you're feeling depleted, you're a little bit on empty and you're like, okay, I need to refill my gas tank, but then you're not sure exactly what to do. I like having this like running list of like, oh, right. You know, I'm going to take a bubble bath and light some candles. Or I'm going to read a good book, or I'm going to go on a walk and call my mother or I'm gonna, whatever it is for every person. It's different. And so I love when people just make their own daily wellness menu and then their own overall wellness menu. And so that they just know for themselves, like, these are the things that I love. These are the things that like really fill me up. And just on one other point, um, I, I want, there's, you know, we could talk about self-care or taking care of yourself. I could talk about it lots and lots and lots, but I went to read a line that self-care is creating a life that you don't feel the need to run away from. I love that. Yeah. Creating a life that you feel that you don't need to run away from because you feel so fulfilled in this love life. Love your life. It's, it's creating yeah. a life you love, right? Yes. Right? It's like, so if, and, and I, I really did have that feeling at one point in my life where I'm like, I just need to get away. Like, this is all too much. I've taken on too much. My roles are too much, right? That was me not being in a space where I was really filling my own cup where I'm like, no, this is exactly where I want to be. This is exactly the life I want to be living. 
right? So what does that look like? It's going to be so individual for everyone. Yes. But that means like using your own talents, using your, your own capabilities, feeling like feeling fulfilled because you're using yourself up <laughs> in the world in, in a really beautiful, positive way, right? Nourishing yourself in ways like, like I said, I love adult stimulation and adult talk. So for me, it's like hard. I can't be around small children all day, every day, right? Like I, I need other outlets. Like, so that's why I love teaching women's classes. I love teaching my, I call it Torah and tea. I love teaching Torah and D. That's something that like not only fills me up, but of course it's also, you know, it's amazing for the community and for the women, but it also, it gives me so much to be able to give to them in that way. So like, so in a, in a way, my teaching Torah is a form of self-care. It's a form of taking care of myself. So right, exactly, yeah. Really, yeah. Yeah, and I love that you said it's individual to 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 each person because you're right, Torah is for you, you know, the best way. And for some people, that might be too overwhelming. Like they exactly. can't be around so many other people. So maybe they, they want to curl up on their couch and read a book just in silence. And for them, that fills them up. Right, and for, for me as well. I mean, I'm a huge introvert. Yeah, so no, no, for sure. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Even self-care can, like I said, if, it, if you look at it, like it's creating a life I don't need to run away from. So even like in small ways, like now I have some older kids, like they like to, they ask me to play with them a lot. Right. Yeah. So I play games with them that I like to play. Right. So like, okay. for example, you know, here and there I'll play magnetiles with my two-year-old on the floor, but I don't really like building magnetile towers, but like games that have strategy and competitive and whatever with like my older kids. Cause it uses more, you know, like so when they, when they ask to play a game, I'll give them choices of what I'm willing to play. And in a way that that's, I'm still being a mother. I'm still being present with them and I'm engaging with them, but I'm choosing the game that, you know, that, that I'm happy to play in that moment. Right. So that's what I mean by like self-care is creating a life that you don't feel the need to run away from. It's like within all the obligations and within all the things, the rules that we have, how do we want to do that? How do we want to fulfill that? Right. I love that. That's so special. And I love the way that you said that. And, um, I'm just so, so curious, you know, people are going to be listening to this and I'm just so curious to see what other people's, uh, you know, how other people create their lives so that they, they can feel fulfilled because it, it, I mean, it involves so many things and I love the eating, drinking, exercise and sleep as the basic, basic basics, because you're right. You're right. I mean, if you're staying up all night, if you're eating donuts every single day, you know, if you're not drinking enough water, it's just, you're just going to feel depleted. And that's right from the start. That's from the basic, 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 you know? So if you can learn just to nourish ourselves, and I mean nourish, not just food and drink, but sleep and exercise and movement to give ourselves vitality, you know, even doing something spiritual, maybe learning, learning something in the Torah, maybe listening to a, a, a Torah podcast or, you know, reading something on H.com, you know, or Chabad.org, you know, and talking about different spiritual things and that, to fill yourself up spiritually. In addition to, the wellness menu, which I love that. I love that concept. And that's going to differ so much for, for, for other people. Sometimes it's going to be getting together with a friend, going for a walk, you know, outside with a stroller. If you have little kids, maybe taking an older one on an adventure or something like that. You know, it's going to be it's going to be different for each person. But regardless, the point is the same for each woman to f feel fulfilled in her life so that she can help fulfill others. That was amazing. I really, really enjoyed that one. And I have one more, one last question to ask you. Um, I love hearing success stories of moms who came to you feeling completely overwhelmed and then through dedication and hard work with you as their coach, developed a renewed sense of self, a positive mindset and take control of the way that they parent. You know, when they were feeling out of control at first, now they're feeling more in control. So I want to see if maybe you can please share one or two success stories with us just so we can feel inspired, you know, Sometimes we see if other women can do it, we can do it. Yeah. 
Um, well, I mean, you, you kind of described some of the success I think that, that moms already experienced. It's exactly that, this like renewed sense of self or a, a much better mindset. You know, I hear from moms all the time that, you know, I, I used to be so overwhelmed all the time and now I'm not so overwhelmed. Um, one of my clients said, I don't subscribe to overwhelm anymore. She's like, I just realized, like, I just don't subscribe to that. I'm not frazzled. I'm not, you I know. Or if they do get that way, because again, we're humans and of course it's going to come back. Like I know what to do with, it. I'm not like, again, like I'm not like living a life where I'm feeling constantly resentful or constantly stressed out or, or that, or I hear from moms, like, you know, I used to lose it all the time and now I'm just so much more calm. And I knew, I know what to do when I feel that activation in my body, like, like that I'm about to yell. What I love the most actually is I've had moms who, um, I would coach with them and they felt like, I don't know if I can have another baby. They felt just like very overwhelmed in life. I'm like not ready for another one. And then hearing from them, like that they had a baby and they're like, it was thanks to our work together that I really got myself to like such a healthy place that I feel like, you know, and, and to me, it's like, wow, if this work can bring more Yiddish and Neshamas into the world, like it's all worth it. Um, I, I remember one of my very beginning clients, um, with who would just, she just still, she constantly like sends me messages to like check in and just be like, I just can't believe how much, how much change it's been. And she's like, my, and really special in one of her thank you emails, she was just saying, my husband keeps like saying how different I am and how, and he reminds me like how I used to feel and how I used to operate and how I used to show up. And he, she writes, we both found ourselves thanking God for you and for being the light that brought me into my own, you know? And to me also, again, like if husbands can like, see the, the benefit and the work that this brings to their whole family. It's just so, so, so gratifying for me. It really, you know what? You hit the nail on the head because it is really special when the husband sees it. You know, we as women, as moms, as wives, we're doing the work, really, the voda. Like we're really, really doing it. We're working on ourselves each and every day. And you're right. I mean, it's work. We should we should want to do work because we, we're doing it for ourselves ultimately because we, yeah. we are in our own bodies all the time, whether we're mothering our children or not. I mean, it could be three o'clock in the morning and everybody's sleeping. We're still in our own bodies. So we're ultimately doing it for us. But when other people notice, especially when those other people are our husbands, it's so much more gratifying because we see the fruits of our of our labors. You know, we see the results of our work because in addition to our children being affected, our husbands are also affected. 100%. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Adina, for joining us on America's Top Robinsons. It was truly a, a pleasure to have you with us. And may the learning that we did today be for Rafu Shalema, for Nahama Braha Bar Haya Leah, Haya Brena Bat Haya Rivka, and also for Rachel Devora Bas Shoshana. Thank you so much again. Hey. If you're ready to become a calm and confident mom, I invite you to join the Calm and Confident Chabad Mom Tribe membership, where we take all the ideas dis discussed on this podcast and we implement it. We learn tools and we take action and we do it together so you don't ever have to walk the path of motherhood alone. Visit www.group.adinalanda.com forward slash membership to join. Thank you.